It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz, delayed but here on the 14th of December, Jazz have lost four in a row with no win in sight. What has happened to the Jazz? We'll dig into the loss to the Chicago Bulls, and we'll look ahead. It's supposed to be a Facebook Live show, so we're supposed to take your questions. But Facebook's not working. What to do? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. So Thursday... Facebook Live is not working. So I asked uh, your questions to come into me on Twitter, and I'm going to do that for you uh, instead. That That's the plan. Uh, and then I will answer them on the show. So that's how we're going to do our live interaction Thursday. Totally bummed that it's not working correctly. Uh That's the plan. Does that seem like it'll work? All right. Uh, it's been a crazy day. Last night during the game, about halfway through the game, certain keys on my keyboard stopped working. Um, either the rosin from the players got into it or something spilled into my keyboard. So I've been over at Best Buy for much of the day and uh, getting a new keyboard to work and then actually might end up getting just a new computer. Um, so I have an external keyboard I'm using right now to make the show work. Today's show is brought to you by Slow the Flow as well as the advocates uh, appreciate both of their sponsorships to the program all right let's get to it uh the jazz lose 103 100 last night to the chicago bulls it's their fourth straight loss the bulls fourth straight win that was the win uh, i don't know where the next one comes and that is the question a lot of people are asking around the jazz is where does the next win come from it, it's not clear uh, and it feels ominous. I, I think it's a little funky in the sense that, you know, we kind of knew this was going to happen anyway, right? Uh, even if we'd gotten that win, we knew the next stretch. But it definitely feels worse going into this stretch uh, on a four-game losing streak. I went and rewatched the game last night to try to see if I could understand what's taking place a little bit so I have uh, a better viewpoint because I thought this was an important show. Uh, but let's dig into our regular numbers. Uh, the Jazz offensive rating last night uh, for the game was a 94.3. That is the 23rd worst offensive outing of the season. Uh, the Jazz last four games are the 22nd, 15th, 20th, and 23rd ranked offensive games. And the prior six were the 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 5th, 6th, and 7th. How about that for a turnaround? The team has just completely lost its collective juice. Whatever it had that was going on uh, between the 22nd of November and uh, the, and this includes the Wizards game when Rudy was back and, and going on the road to Oklahoma City, it, it, it's, it was fragile, evidently. I mean, literally, if you look, the Jazz... In the 
in the stretch of games prior, had their best, second best, third best, fourth best, fifth best, sixth best, seventh best, ninth best, and 26th best offensive outings. So they didn't have their eighth. <laughs> they, and they had one bad game there. Since then, the offense has gone away. Now, the good news is that the defense was better last night. Uh, and But some of the same problems kicked in. Let's dig in a little bit to what actually turned out last night a little bit, I think, to be a make-or-miss game. But you shouldn't be playing a make-or-miss game against the Chicago Bulls. I mean, that's the reality is we can go, we're going to go look at this, and I think it's going to come out to be um, a make-or-miss game. Now, with that said, that that's not acceptable. The Jazz were 20 of 51 on their open looks. The Bulls were 22 of 52. Actually, it wasn't even that big a discrepancy. It's about the same. I guess it was a close game down to the stretch, and that's the difference. Uh, the Jazz last night, Donovan Mitchell was 5 of 12 on open looks. Ricky Rubio was 3 of 9. Jarebko was 2 of 5. Hood, 4 of 8. Alec Burks was 4 of 9. The Jazz, early in the game, we, we can look at it a bunch of different ways. Bottom line is, they weren't good. Okay? I don't, I don't know how well. They just weren't good. They'd execute a play, wide open three, miss the shot. Uh, blow buys defensively, uh, miss rotations. Jarebko and Hood go and guard the same guy at one point and, and leave him open for three. They weren't good. I don't know if it's a lack of focus or what. They, the uh, turnovers were terrible. They, they weren't good. Uh, that's, that's a, the fact is that through the first 15 minutes of the game, or 19 minutes of game, the scary part about it to me was Chicago was just better than Utah. The other one that was disappointing re-watching the game, frankly, was that when you watch the game, you know, Ricky Rubio is struggling, and so your automatic answer is, well, let's just go to Donovan as the point guard. The game really gets away from the Jazz badly in the second quarter when Donovan's in at point guard. And then Donovan doesn't have, even though he does all the scoring, he doesn't have a good game defensively at all. He gets, he gets beat on three significant plays late in this game. So, you know, the bummer is uh, you kind of get frustrated and you say to yourself, well, I want this fix, and, and I, don't, I don't have that, that fix for you. Um, and that, you know, Rubio wasn't great last night. Defensively, offensively, he made some shots, but defensively, he, he opens up too much and get, lets guys get on him. Chris Dunn got in on either of them wherever he wanted to go. The, uh, you know, and then, but then in the sequence in the second quarter, Donovan takes a no, basically a one pass or no pass possession. Alec Burke answers. Tabo goes, and you can feel that not having a point guard on the floor has an impact. And then when they come back to Rubio's when they make their run. And then Rubio doesn't play the last eight minutes of the game. So they're closing, they're blatantly closing without him. You know, that's, so that's 
you know, if you look at what they're doing, Rubio doesn't play the final eight minutes of last night's game. So, you, you know, if you want him out of the starting lineup also, you can do that. But already he's and, – and maybe we're going to get to that point. But already they've, they've made that change. Right? He checks out at the eight-minute mark. So you look at the game flow last night. One of the things that's been really disconcerting in the last five games for the Jazz, and four of them being losses, one of them being a really good win. If I go to the last four, it, it feels even more severe is how bad the team has been when Derek Favors is in at center by himself. And that's weird because that's the lineup that was so darn good over that stretch. But Rudy Gobert goes out of the game in the first quarter. The Jazz go minus five for the rest of the quarter with Favors in at center. Then they go minus three to open up the second quarter. So they're minus eight in the first half in the time period in which Favors is in instead of Gobert. Now, is that because Alec Burks is in? Is that because Tabo is in instead of Jonas? Is that because Ricky Rubio's in for some of that? And but the, but those are a lot of the same players that when Derek was in before, we were so good. And Derek scores two points last night. Derek only spent. This is what's just weird. I'm not criticizing Derek. This is just weird. Derek spent a grand total last night of seven minutes, maybe eight at center. He spent 22 minutes at, excuse me, sorry, he spent eight minutes as the power forward. He spent 22 minutes as the center last night. He scored two points. That's the 22 minutes. That's what he was doing before as the center and scoring 16 a night. So what's going on there? In the third quarter, so again, the focus on everybody wants to be this Rubio Favors Gobert problem. Frankly, in the third, so in the first quarter, I just documented that Favors comes in center, we go minus five to close the first. The majority of that is with either Mitchell or Rubio at point guard, Jonas or Cephalosha, Alec Burks, and Rodney Hood. Like, it was kind of a combination. Then in the Sorry, something just popped up on my screen, which makes it very hard for me to read. Um, I'm going to have to reset that page. There's popcorn.machine.net is the awesome site that I'm using, and every now and then it has little pop-ups, and you can't get rid of them. Uh, in, in the second quarter, when Favors comes in and plays just center, and they're minus, they're minus three in that time period, it's with Cephalosha, Burks, Rodney for part of it, Rubio for part of it, Mitchell for part of it. And it's bad when Mitchell's in. It's really bad when Donovan's in. So it's not a Ricky issue. That's where the that's where they fell apart. The Jazz go on a 17-4 run to get back in the game when Rudy checks back in and when, and when Ricky Rubio's back at the point guard. The Favors-Gobert matchup is, is good. Favors comes back in the game in the third quarter, and the Jazz go minus four again. Check it. They go minus eight. I misread it. They went minus eight. And that's Favors with Donovan, Jerebko and Cephalosha intermixed, Alec and Rodney. They got no stops. They, they, they went nine straight possessions without a stop. So Favors' minutes last night, in which he's in at center only, the same lineup that was so good for the Jazz before, was minus 16. Like, they've just lost their mojo of whatever it was that was right before, and I don't think a lot of the easy answers everyone's throwing out there are accurate. I, I, I don't know what's accurate, frankly.
And that's what makes this so very, very difficult. But that game, and, and you start, I'll, I'll do it in a second. You, I, I'm gonna, you dig into the numbers of what happens to us defensively right now when it's Rudy or Derek, and it's, it's, not, it's not good. It's not good at all. By the way, I got to tell you, it's been really funny to have try to try to not have a Z and a C. That's why there was no, um, why there was no uh, empty the noggin last night is because you really cannot um, do a Utah Jazz empty the noggin without a Z in your keyboard. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Slow the Flow. What are you doing to try to help our great desert? What are you doing? Are you a WER All-Star? That's right. WER is Water Efficiency Rating. Slowing the flow means promoting water conservation, and that's how you become a WER All-Star. You can do it by installing a low-flow toilet. You'll save 0.3 gallons per flush. You can do it by a five-minute shower. Use 12 to 22 gallons of, instead of a tub, which is 70 gallons. Or just knock off that extra minute of your shower. Little by little, little tiny changes, and you increase your WER, your water efficiency rating, to all-star levels, and you help our great state. Take a look at it at slowtheflow.org. Slow the flow. Save H2O. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. So... One of the items for us to be great, at least in my opinion, is we have to be great defensively all the time. That's not happening. Uh, and, and that's, I know everyone wants to focus on the offense, and, and I did to start the show. But we're, we can't be a bad defensive team, too. When Favors and Gobert are on the floor in the last five games, our defensive rating is a 114.4. Now, if you want it, last night it was good. Now, if you want to zero in on just the losing streak, so just the last four games, again, our sample sizes are small. It's even worse. It's a 121.1. That's only for 29 minutes. Now, a lot of that is Houston torched them, and so this is a little misleading. So I, I think that's not a great number. This, to me, is eye-opening. When Gobert is on the floor and Favors is off the floor, 
in the 81 minutes in which we're playing small with Gobert as the five and Jarebko or Cephalosha, now Joe Johnson will be available tomorrow. Our defensive rating is a 98.4. That would be best in the league. That's an elite-level defense. We're plus five overall. When we swap that and go to the lineups in which Favors is in as the defensive center and Gobert is out, it's a 119.8, and we're minus 21. So this is just shows how screwed up everything is right now. And that is that the exact lineups that were so great before Gobert went out, or before Gobert came back, are the exact lineups that are awful right now. The exact lineups that were so, so good and leading to these offensive explosions in these great games are now the lineups that are terrible. And the offense with favors at the center and Gobert off the floor isn't even good. It's at 98.6. It would be worst in the worst in the NBA. So all that that's what makes this the easy answer right now is to say, well, exactly what I did. Here you had all of these incredible offensive games and now it's gone. And what do you how does this happen? It's got to be cuz Rudy came back and because of you know that might be true that Rudy's return did it and I don't think Rudy looks great. I I'm not I'm not denying that. I think he needs to be better. Um and I think Rubio needs to be better. I, I really think they all need to be better. They really just played badly. Joe Ingles played badly. De- Denzel Valentine beating Joe Ingles on a drive. Denzel Valentine's one of the least athletic players in the league. Like, they just aren't playing well. Like, collectively. Like, whatever that collective thread that ran through them that had them playing so well has gotten discombobulated and has them not quite understanding what it is, who they are, and how they want to play and what their roles are. And it's just, it's, and, and that's the impact. And so I don't think the answer is as easy as like, if you took Rudy out of the lineup, we just went back to the other thing, everything would be fine. I, I think that train left the station and has passed. And now we got to figure out who we are again. And this next stretch, I don't know how we're going to deal with it. I mean, really, when do we win again? Like, I'm not trying to be, like, I would have said this had we won four in a row. Like, I would have been like, hey, we've won four in a row, and now, ready, when do we win again? Like, seriously. Boston, Cleveland back-to-back, at Houston, <laughs> at OKC. San Antonio at home on the back end of a back-to-back. Oklahoma City at home. Okay, there's a chance there. Now, how staggered is your confidence at that point? I don't know. At Denver on the day after Christmas, there's a chance. We're not bothered by altitude. At the Warriors on a back end of a back-to-back, that's unlikely. Home against Cleveland, there's a chance. I mean, you're going to get one of these at some point, you would think. But, like, it's brutal. We were were favored in that OKC game at home. I think we might even be favored at that Denver game on the road. And and, And then there's two others between January 15th and last night, and we didn't get last night. That's that's the painful part about last night. So I don't I don't have a feel good answer for you. I, I hate to tell you that. Um 
And I don't necessarily think any of the knee-jerk answers are right either. You know, I, I do think you have to be better. The disturbing part of me rewatching that Bulls game is just at times it was because they weren't good. Right, and what I mean by not good is you make a bad pass, you throw, a, you miss a shot, you, you get, you execute, you get a, like those things. Just you're not, you need to be better. Like that's not a great analysis piece for you. Um, but the analysis piece I have for you is that all the things that were working aren't working anymore with the same exact personnel groups on the floor or very similar. Weird. The other analysis point I have for you is the happy piece of all this is Donovan was just amazing again. Took a lot of shots, but we have turned this thing over to him, and he is answering the bell pretty darn well each and every time, which is certainly awesome. He has now scored 30. Danny Franks in our PR department has done a bunch of great work here. I'll share with you the latest kind of two things that Danny has on Donovan Mitchell accomplishments. Uh, Danny's a great kid. Um... So Donovan Mitchell, in the month of December, has scored 30 points three times. In the NBA history, the guys who've done that as rookies are LeBron James, Allen Iverson, Isaiah Ryder, and Michael Jordan. LeBron's done it five times. Donovan goes and does it two more times, and he equals LeBron for most 30-point games in the month of December as a rookie. He does it three more times. He just takes the record. Donovan has also got 30, three 30-point games within the first 30 games of his NBA career. That has been done most recently by LeBron, Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin, and O.J. Mayo. I mean, this is pretty special, elite category. Fred Hoiberg, after the game, he's a monster. He's a guy that can finish. He can shoot. The thing he's doing, an unbelievable job of his playmaking. He has the ability to play out of the pick and roll and make the right play. They're as good as there is in the league at making the pocket pass and spacing. And Mitchell makes all a lot of those plays for them. He's a high flyer. He's an absolute stud. He's going to be a big-time player, said Fred Hoiberg. Kind of cool. Um, for those of you that are... Um, Hoping to hear from Gordon Hayward, there is a chance that he is going to be available pregame tomorrow evening. Uh, The original word was that Gordon would not be attending the game. We are now getting word that there's a chance that he is going to try to be available pregame sometime tomorrow evening at the TD Garden Center. Um, It will be a madhouse because it will be the first time he's talked with the Boston media as well as talking to the jazz media. All right, let's get to your questions here. Uh, first, I want to thank the advocates for sponsoring today's show. Uh, the advocates are a personal injury attorneys out of Utah, Matt and his crew. And uh, what they have done is they have built a 106-step process by which to make sure that you get good results, taken care of, communicated with, and nothing bad happens to you. When you get in a car accident, and you now need support from a lawyer, the advocates are the place to go. Give them a call at 801-355-5550. All accidents are different, but the process by which to make sure that, one, you get taken care of, two, nothing bad happens to you, and three, that you are treated well, is actually the same. 
process is a great thing, even if you are Joel Embiid. It is what makes things efficient. Efficiency then means productivity, means communication, it means expediting the process, and it means that you uh, have a better experience. They do this by having experts at each task, knowing that there is a process and that there is a 106-step process. They then have experts who do each and every step along the way who do it better than anyone else, and that's how they have done as well as they have. When you get into a car accident, the fact of the matter is that less than 1% go to trial, 3% go to arbitration. So this is something where you need someone who knows how to deal with the insurance companies to do and get you taken care of. That's who the advocates are. Give them a call at 801-355-5550. That's 801-355-5550. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. All right, let's go to the Twitterverse, see if we got any questions to come in. It's not how we usually like to do our um, question. Uh, there was a question last night on our postcast that was just great. Um, that was basically, have they just lost their identity? And I actually think there's some of that. Uh, here's the first question. If you were Quinn, what lineups are, are you starting and finishing the game with, including Joe, since he's back tomorrow? I think I'm starting with the same lineup because uh, I just am not willing to close the door on Rubio and uh, secondarily, I... Um, I, I'm not sure that, and I and I don't see somebody to if you're trying to replace Faves, and I don't think that's I don't think that's fair. So um, those are my, um, I think those are my two things that I wouldn't close in the game. I think if you have Joe Johnson, you probably have to close with him. So now you're closing with either Rudy or Derek with Joe Johnson, uh, with Rodney Hood, Joe Ingles, and probably Donovan Mitchell, uh, which is what Quinn's been doing a little bit. I think that's what you'll end up seeing. But if you have Joe Johnson, you probably have to close them. Good questions. Skylar Slade, what are the few things you would say Donovan needs to improve over the next few seasons if he wants to become an elite player in the NBA like Durant, Curry, LeBron? Holy smokes, really? Like, I don't know that he can do any of those things. Like, Durant's a seven-footer freak, five greatest offensive players we've ever seen in the history of the game. LeBron is the greatest player in the history of the game, and Steph Curry is the greatest shooter ever in the history of the game. So I don't actually think that's a f- 
something that Donovan can ever attain. I'm sorry, Donovan, if you're mad at me for this, but I, I don't expect Donovan to be Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, or LeBron James. I just think that's really an outrageous ask for a guy who's played 25 games. I know he's in that class and he's doing these fun scoring things, but, I mean, those players are really special, like the greatest of all time. And I guess I'm not sure that I think Donovan's going to be one of the greatest of all time. I think he, I think he's Damian Lillard, and Lillard's played in, what, one or two All-Star games, and I think that's an incredible accomplishment. But that's a non-playmaking one who scores a lot. You added Kyrie on this list. I, I think Donovan just has to keep going. Like, I don't think there's a lot of specific things. I mean, his shooting is just incredible. I think he's going to add a Clay Thompson s catch and shoot part to his game that makes him even more interesting. Uh, will the Clippers go into rebuild mode when trading DeAndre Jordan? If so, is Blake gettable and is Blake desirable? I, I am a big Blake fan. Um, I think that's an interesting... You'd have to have a really special piece. Um... You know, obviously you're thinking that we then keep pair Blake with Rudy, which would be great, but I don't know what we would have to give up an awful lot to get Blake. I don't know what we have that would get that done. And you have to have the money to match. That's three things. You've talked in the past about Rudy's ability to create corner threes for teammates. What are the best? Who are the best corner three shooters and are they available? Well, Joe Ingles is the best. Um,. We actually are getting about 11 or 12 corner threes a game, which is just the, the, an incredible number. The positive thing is that we continue to get the right shots. Um, I think we've taken 83 or four corner threes in seven games. That's, that's a huge number. I'm looking up right now to see what last night's. Uh, we didn't do shot chart or hustle chart. Uh, we got off that. Uh, today, so I apologize. We usually do hustle chart, and actually, uh, Thurl on the broadcast pointed out he thought Rudy was doing a great job of getting guys open. I thought Rudy did a good job of screening guys out, getting other guys open last night, and I thought Rudy did a good job of screening last night. That's uh, why his plus minus was probably as good. Last night we took nine corner threes. We only hit two of them. We hit seven of twenty-one above the break threes. I love our shot selection now. I mean, we're we're getting off a ton of threes. And that's, I think, the key of how we're going to win games. It's how we're going to break the losing streak is we're going to have a good shooting night against one of these teams that's better than us, and we're going to win because of it. What can be done to help Rudy become a more dynamic offensive player? The dude can dunk if he catches high and can put the... I don't. Dynamic means moving, so I don't know what you mean. I mean, he's got to just get better at opening up off picks. He's got to get better at uh, catching. Um, he's got to get better at balance, and so he's probably a little stronger, and he's getting held a great deal right now. Um, but he's he's still a very raw offensive player and has a lot of development he needs to have on how to make himself more available. How much of an impact can Rudy and Donovan realistically have recruiting players in future free agency? You know, hopefully Donovan is a player guys want to play with and Rudy's defense helps people out. Um, I still think, you know, we're not, you know, Portland has not recruited a lot of great big free agents with Dame Lillard, and he seems to kind of have that same characteristic of personality. So I think that's you got to be a little careful of assuming we're going to be able to do that. That we still are in the marketplace. We are. You're characterized. You've characterized different seasons as rebuilding, discovery, win. Now, what's this? 
Um, what does successful season look like? It's a great question. You know what? That is a great question. And I don't know that it's defined, and that might be part of it. It certainly feels like a big transition, doesn't it? You're kind of out of Gordon without enough time to react. It doesn't feel like Derek. I don't think Derek is going to be back next year. I think that's kind of so obvious. Like, I don't even feel like I'm uh, I'm not trying to be. Like, I just can't imagine why Derek wants to come back. It's kind of what I've always said about this. Um, it's, I guess, a little bit of discovery now with Donovan and trying to figure out where Rodney, what Rodney is and what pieces match. Um, that's, uh, that's a great question. Probably should end the show right there. I mean, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, and that might be, that might be the answer. Um, somebody said we we essentially trade the twelfth pick for George Hill. Where would your value of Derek Favors accordingly to a pick value? Well, but we pick, we traded for a whole year worth of George Hill for the twelfth pick, and no one's getting a whole year of Derek Favors. And I think point guards are more valuable than bigs in this league. And that's really where Favors' injured season last year left him as untradeable. And, you know, from a pure jazz stamp, Derek went through hell. But from a pure jazz, jazz standpoint, that was really a, a difficult, difficult season. Great questions. We'll have to do that along with Facebook Live. Those were really, really good. Thanks. That's a fun show today. Thanks to the advocates as well as slowtheflow.org for sponsoring today's show. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. I'll go back through those questions and see what else is there. Plus, we'll have our Friday. What do we do on Fridays? What do we do on Fridays? We used to do like football fantasy Friday something rather when I used to host a talk show. What do we do? Monday is NBA 5. Tuesday, oh, Pack Friday. We'll do Pack. Pack Friday. All right, have a great one. Thank you very much for tuning in. This is Lockdown Jazz, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. The scout was great on Lockdown NBA. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.